Welcome to the NDIS Property Australia podcast. Before starting this episode, we need to provide a general disclaimer. Information contained in this podcast is general in nature only. It does not take into account the objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular person. You need to consider your financial situation and needs before making any decisions based on the information in this podcast. And you should consider seeking independent and professional advice for your personal circumstances. All right, let's begin. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the NDIS Property Australia podcast. Today, we're joined by Amber from Aruma. She is their National Business Development Manager. Uh, Amber, do you want to just tell us a little bit about what you do and what Aruma is? Hi, everyone. Yeah, sure. Um, As Erin has said, I'm the National Business Development Manager specialising in the shared living space at Aruma. Um, A little bit about Aruma. So Aruma was launched itself in 2019 after a rebranding of both House With No Steps and the Tipping Foundation. So the the merging of those two organisations together have over 100 years of experience in the disability sector House With No Steps been founded in 1962 and the Tipping Foundation in 1970. So lots of experience. Been around for a while. Yes, yeah, yeah, we sure have. And and we're now supporting over 5,000 customers with disability across Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria and the ACT. Amazing. So you um, statewide in those places or...? Yes, we are. Yeah, so we're um, metro as well as regional, and we have a fairly far reach um, in those states that I've just mentioned. Yeah, amazing. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about your your actual role that you play with Aruma? Yeah, absolutely. So as I mentioned, it specialises in that shared living space. So what that entails is um, I have a team of eight customer engagement managers and their sole focus is to uh, assist customers and families with their eligibility in the home and living space um, alongside NDIA and then to support those customers and their um, stakeholders on the onboarding journey for example, once an inquiry comes into a rumour, the customer engagement managers will be that one point of contact for that inquirer from beginning yeah. to end and, and that can be anything up to 12 months, 18 months even if we're looking at a new yeah. build for somebody um, and they will assist them through that process, which is pretty tricky. Yeah, amazing. Uh, could you maybe elaborate, el- elaborate a little bit more on shared living space and the different models of home and living opportunities, customer eligibility, onboarding journey, timeframes, all that that you just mentioned? Sure can. And please pull me up if I start to use acronyms that you're not familiar <laughs> with. There's lots of acronyms in this business. Um, so my team and I are specialising in all things home and living. So at Aruma, we offer SIL supports, which is your 24-7 supported living. And we do have various SDA opportunities. So that's your specialist disability accommodation builds. Yeah. And that's either through a rumor or through external housing providers. And we mm-hmm. also offer ILO, which is individualized living options, and drop-in sort of daily living supports if you're at home and just need that little bit of support. And also some some really flexible shared support models. And that's great for those who have perhaps missed out on eligibility for 
things like SIL and or SDA, um, but still need that level of support and can share that support um, with others. Can look a little bit like the old uh, concierge terminology with that shared support from, okay. from a yeah. staff member, yeah. And when we think about customer eligibility, the process for each of the home and living options is very much the same in terms of NDIS, which is to submit your home and living evidence form and a change of circumstance form with all of your reports and evidence, and that will start you on that journey. However, of course, the criteria um, determining, you know, which eligibility someone will receive is very different and it all revolves around then what is reasonable and necessary for that person. Okay. Um, You know, to give you an example there, if you're fairly independent and you just require a few hours of, say, prompting type supports each day, Mm -hmm. you would not be approved for something like an SDA home or for 24-7 SIL support funding. Um, Yeah. So the key to all of that really we find is is very early planning. We know that this process can take up to 12 months depending on uh, wait lists of therapists and those sort, sorts of things. Um, having a really great support coordinator who's knowledgeable in that home and living process and a fantastic occupational therapist Um, There's really so much weight these days placed on the OT recommendations from within their functional capacity assessments. And we're now seeing semi-regularly that um, customers' funds can actually be approved based solely off the recommendations in that OT report. So it's really important that that's 100% accurate and also updated whenever there's a change. And without rabbiting on too long, I suppose that the last part of that is that once the eligibility has been confirmed by NDIA, then really that's still just the beginning of the journey for home and living. So that's the point yeah. where participants would want to be connecting um, with service providers like Aruma to try and find the right fit. So who are you comfortable with? Um, who's willing to work with you as a customer to find the best outcome? So it shouldn't be about just saying yes to everyone, plugging a vacancy, building your customer base. It's really about that planned out process, trusted relationships, understanding what the person is actually asking for and looking for. Mm-hmm. And then concentrating on that customer matching, compatibility, planned transition. So all those things really do take time, but it's important to get it right so that, um, you know, then you've got your retention as well from there and, and you've got yeah, people 100%, yeah, yeah. in the right homes. Yeah, I guess um, sort of following on from that, what type of, what are the majority of the type of participants that you work with? So Aruma specialises particularly in intellectual disabilities, global and spectrum disorders and this probably forms a high percentage of our customer cohort but saying that we do support anyone from children right through to older adults who have a diagnosed disability if we feel that we're the right provider and that we can offer the best supports for that person yeah Um, because if not we're more than happy to refer on to an organization um, who may be a better fit for that person yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's great. I found like a lot of people I've spoken to haven't really, they don't really do kids, like they more do. Okay. 
Yes. Adults, yeah. Yes, it's, it's certainly harder to find good um, providers for children, but we have a great children's services arm of our business. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. That's really great. Um, is this like, so you said you do SDA housing. Is that a big part of what you do or is it more of like an outsourced collaboration with other housing providers or...? It's both. So Aruma are registered as a housing provider. We've got a great uh, property team and we do own and operate several SDA dwellings. However, um, saying that these days, really our preference is to collaborate with experts in this field external to Aruma um, so that we can concentrate on providing the supports for the customers and really then um, allowing our customers true choice and control so that they're not living in a home that is both owned, managed and operated by the same provider. Yeah, Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, Obviously, because you said you own some and you work with other people, you're obviously a very large organisation. Yes. What are some sort of challenges that come with being so large? This is a question I get asked semi-regularly, actually, and I always oh, really? stumble with this one because I, I I don't find that there is a lot of challenges. Um, the one thing which is probably relevant to the whole sector, really, is keeping up with workforce demands. Um, yeah. You know, we, we are large, we have a lot of services, and we're very specific with our recruitment process and um onboarding and training of our staff and so it is difficult in pockets um, to keep up with that demand and have fantastic staff so that's a constant challenge um, across the whole sector. I guess on the flip side for me the benefits um, of being within a large organisation is that we've got a really broad range of shared support so we've got for example a fantastic marketing team, um, great IT department, we're also a registered RTO, so we've got a great training okay. um, arm to the business. And yeah. um, so there's lots of opportunity and, and for staff as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I suppose there's always positive and negatives to every situation. Yeah, that's right. So you're in a room you do support coordination and home living supports. What's sort of a percentage breakdown of the two services? Because um, these are probably most of what you guys do. In terms of numbers, um, yes, you're you're right there. So our shared living services, our support coordination services and our community supports as well, they would all have the highest numbers of customers within them. Support Mm -hmm. coordination, we're at about 1,600 customers at the moment nationally, um, a little less for shared living and community. Yep. But the, the home and living services really are what you'd call our bread and butter. That's um, where yeah. a lot of our focus is. And the way we're set up is in separate service streams. So we keep everything quite separated and that works really okay. well. So we have our shared living stream of the business. We have our community stream and that incorporates all of those supports that aren't shared living really. So your um, social and community participation, your work yeah. education programs, all of those sorts of things would fit into that category. And then we have our um, supported employment stream. So we we have eight businesses um, at Aruma and we employ a whole host of supported employees, <laughs> which is so great. Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a lot of businesses. <laughs> yeah, it is. And we've got our, uh, as you mentioned, our support coordination stream, 
Then we have our children's service stream, which includes our ECEI, which is our early um, early childhood, early intervention services. Okay. And uh, finally, we've got our therapeutic support service stream, so where we have um, various um, clinicians such as occupational therapists and, and speech pathologists and those sorts of therapeutic supports. Yeah. So you really you really do it all over there. Like you, you have a bit of everything. We do most of everything, yes, that's right. Yeah, jack of all trades. Uh, do you want to explain to our listeners a little bit more on support coordination, what it is, how it differs from uh, the civil service, that, like the things that a provider would normally do and how this is a bit different? Yeah, I sure can. So simply put, support coordination, um, I love, it's a fantastic service. It's a service that supports both participants and their families to unravel the mystery of NDIS and the mm-hmm. processes involved there and the, the plans that the participants receive. So a support coordinator is there to help you to activate your plan when you receive it, understand what's in it, what you're funded for, and yeah. and then to get connected and get started with various services. So the big difference there is there's no direct support of customers um, with support coordination. You're there to facilitate somebody's plan and connect them with support providers, but you don't provide the support yourself. Okay, yeah. So it's more of a um, you get the people come in and then you direct them to the right places based on their needs. That's exactly right, yes. Okay, yeah. yeah. It has to be, uh, of course, a, a neutral um array of selections for the customer. So, for example, thinking about the fact that Aruma offers support coordination, but of course we also offer various other services, um, then it would not be above board for a support coordinator to be steering all of their support coordination customers into Aruma services. Um, Okay, yeah. No, no, which is why it's a very separate stream. And so each customer is um, speaks to their coordinator about what they would like. And ideally, their coordinator should be offering them three or four different choices that they feel are um, perhaps the right choices for them in the locations they've requested. Yeah, I mean, it is great that you guys do have that option of you can stay within a room, though, but it's great that you also give them options to choose from themselves like that's right yeah, yeah. And, and that's the whole point of support coordination is it's to assist the customer it's not to choose for them so the choice yeah. always comes back to the customer yeah that's great um what are your sort of long-term goals at Aruma well look our brand promise at Aruma is you first so I guess we really pride ourselves on supporting customers to live their best life whatever that looks like for them and yeah. so we're constantly reviewing our services seeking feedback to ensure that we get there so that's the pathway that we really want to continue on yeah um, We're also working hard on um, some innovation in terms of specifically looking at some really flexible home and living models or options Um, Mm -hmm. and there's some exciting new opportunities coming up there to look out for in the near future. Um, And finally, 
you know, continuing to be a market leader in this space and speaking up and ensuring that the rights of people with disability are protected. So this yeah. is the space, yeah, we want to continue in. Yeah, that's that's really fantastic that you guys just create like such a customer first sort of space. I think that that's really great. Thank you. Yeah, that's how it should be. Yeah, 100%. Um, what, sort, what sort of contributions or just things people can do to help Aroma? Because there's a donation portal on your website I think yes um and we we want to contribute as well but are there any other ways in which our listeners can help contribute to you guys absolutely it's pretty simple really so if I start with answering your question around the donations button on the website yes that's Mm -hmm. there and probably a lot of providers will have something similar and the reason for that is that the way we are funded as an organisation is solely through our customers' NDIS plans Mm -hmm. and the funding in their plans pay for directly their staff support, so the staff who are um, helping to take care of them or taking out in the community, that's what their plan funds. It does not fund all of the other things that come with a large organisation. So, you know, there's always room for donations there. Um, In terms of what else the community can do, I think really it's about wherever we can assisting to educate the broader community on what true inclusion really is. Yeah, 100%. Um, That's the big thing for me. Um, I think, you know, there's we're getting there as a society and there's still a a, quite a number of tokenistic things perhaps that go on so as much as we can help to spread the word and educate the community about how to include um, people with disability um, how to make sure that that's really true inclusion that's certainly would be helpful yeah 100 i like totally agree in the fact that i think everyone should be 100 included like it doesn't matter how someone differs Everyone's human. It doesn't matter. Absolutely. All right. Um, I will definitely put a link in our little podcast description to your website and the donate section because I think everyone should really take a look at that and if they can, donate and help out. Um, But are there any last little notes you want to leave our listeners before we sign off? Just a thank you, I think, Erin. Thanks for the opportunity to let me speak briefly today. Um, it's oh, we were so happy when you responded to say you would join us. Oh, no problem. Uh, any any opportunity we can get to spread the word, um, of course, talk about a rumor and and our services, um, but also on on that broader sense around people with disability. So, thank you very much for having me. Oh, thank you for joining us, and thanks everyone for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please make sure that you are subscribed and following us so that you can keep in the loop with all of our upcoming episodes. We would really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star rating, a written review, and to share this episode with those that can benefit. Until next time, catch you on the next episode.